This is Shaping Time and Space in Comics, um, and it's just going to be us talking about comics we love and different comic storytelling techniques. So this can be anything from like panels, uh, word balloons, like gutters, like these tiny little details that um, we kind of know about and talk amongst ourselves about sometimes. Um, but I thought it'd be nice to have a whole panel where we'll dedicate our time to just talking about all these little nitty gritty details. Um, so yeah, so we're just gonna have a slideshow and we'll go through a lot of cool comics. Sounds good? <laughs> <like this. laughs> There's one guy that likes comics over there. Unless <laughs> you were in the wrong room. Yeah. <laughs> me? Yeah. Can you? You cannot. How about now? Yeah. Okay. Is this better? Yes. All right. Okay, we're gonna start with David. Oh man. Okay. Um, so let's start with this one. All right. Uh, anybody in the audience like Naruto? Yeah. Yeah, so this is a fight scene from, I don't know, like three-fourths of the way through. But I thought it was amazing it was staged from underwater. And like so much of it happens by implication. And just the time control is really amazing to me. The way the, uh, the knife is dropping and kind of forcing your eye down. But also kind of hinting at like how much time is passing. And like for me, comics are mostly about the fight scenes and the friendship, really, which seems weird, but it makes total sense considering what I read. And this is just a really great way of showing like how intense this battle's gonna be. Like, he couldn't just render it, you know, like, side on like a fighting game. That wouldn't be intense enough. Because you can't see facial expressions, it's all body language, it's all just them rushing at each other to try to, you know, knock each other out before, you know, they make up and become friends again. So this is the kind of thing I live for in comics, just because I want to see something new and fresh and cool, and I've never seen anything like this before or since. So this is kind of where I'm at. That's neat. Oh, we should show off a mention we had a last minute edition of Adam Warren here on the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even introduce us. So, sorry. like, comics. So we have Meredith Grant, does Octopus Pie. We have David Brothers, who works at Image and writes about comics. We have Brandon Graham. I don't know what he does. Uh, <laughs> we have Farrell Dalrymple, he does Renties, and then we have Adam Warren, uh, and he's my introduction. So, yeah. Cool. You guys can applaud. We're cool. <laughs> and, like, yeah, everyone just, like, jump in on everyone's pages if you're like, ooh, I like this thing. Um, so here's another one of David's face. Yeah, this is actually something, <clears throat> excuse me, something that Adam put me on to. It's uh, UQ Holder, and it's another fight scene. You're going to notice a theme with stuff that I'm impressed by. But just the way, the intensity of that panel on the bottom to where they're doing so many moves at once, and um, like he gets across the emphasis and the tension and the speed really well, kind of by cheating and destroying everything at once. I know if you can't read the, the Japanese in there, it actually has the same translation as the page before it, so it's glub, glub, blub, blub. But Adam, what is it about UQ Holder that kind of works for you? Well, it's mainly that uh, Ken, Ken Akamatsu is probably better, better known, I guess, for uh, the Negamon uh, manga before this. He's, like, uh, he's actually one of the more interesting kind of action storytellers out there, though. In fact, I find his comics actually really, really sort of impressive on that level. Though you have to wade through some of the heaviest barrages of fan service ever delivered in Monica, which is the same time. But uh, he really has a kind of... He works kind of a high panel count, 
which is interesting. There aren't, aren't many manga kind of who actually work that kind of thing. This is actually fairly large and open for his stuff. He, he, he's actually trends with it differently YouTube older than his previous manga. But I think he's, he's got really sort of, he, had, he actually has some, he has some actual epic fight scenes that are like what a superhero fight scene, scene should look like. He's able to constantly yank back scale. He'll give you something, an intimate shot like that then pull back like a landscape shot of like this giant explosion towering over the landscape. But he's one of the, he's one of the artists that can really kind of work with, with, uh, work with scale in a way that I find really impressive. And I feel I should note that, that I'm surprised many people don't notice this, almost all manga use different gutters. They, they have very thick horizontal gutters and very thin vertical ones. That's to keep your eye on a given tier so you don't, so you don't read stuff out of order. But, uh, I don't personally do it myself because it lost about a line or two of dialogue out of each channel. I over dialogue my stuff to begin with. But, uh, but I do recommend that, that more people, like, uh, like Yanni was actually doing that on his, on his Apple Seed hand comic, where he was actually getting the gutters right, so he messed up on one of them. So I had to give crap. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah Yanni Milo Dionis, who, who works on a profit and does uh, Old City Blues, is. is um, I was talking yesterday about how he's such a. I, I'm always really, I'm always fairly critical of people when they're when I find their work to be derivative of other people's work. But his stuff is so influenced by stuff that I love that I don't have. <laughs> I just can't. I'm like everything sucks unless it's the stuff I like, and then you're. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Farrell, I'm gonna jump into some of your images. Um, do you have one in particular you want me to show? You have like so many good ones. Uh, I don't know. I, just, don't I, I probably like over prepared. Uh, <laughs> no, that's good. Do you have one you want to start with, or this one? Or? Uh, I guess that's fine. I mean, I, yeah. that, they're not like any um, necessarily any tricks or anything on this particular page. I was just, I, I guess I kind of did them in order. So we're like, I had a couple of different like Dan Clouds pages, and uh, this that one actually. Um, this one? Yeah, this this one was like, uh, I guess, kind of influential to me and like. My, my own work. Um, it's from this uh, book he did, uh, Ice Haven. It was like an issue of Eight Ball. They uh, fan graphics, I guess, collected later in a different uh, format. But uh, the issue itself, it all takes place in this one town. All the stories do, and they interrelate, and each one is done in kind of a different style. Um, or you know, some of them are done in the same style. This one is kind of more like a, a Peanuts strip. But I just love the way these, these kids are interacting with each other. and. Uh, these, uh, so this kid's like bouncing this ball, right? And then um, his friend comes up and he starts, I mean, you can flip the next one if you want, but like okay. his friend come up and he's like still bouncing the ball, like, you know, and then he's sort of talking, uh, talking about this girl that I guess he likes, you know, on the last panel. Like, That's because you haven't made love to her. And then see on the next page, uh, she walks up, he like starts bouncing the ball faster. <laughs> like I thought that was kind of like a, I don't know, like a neat trick. I guess, you know, like to sort of show that, like, oh, okay, he's nervous too, like one kid's sweating and the other guy's like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> like if it goes from bop, 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 bop. Yeah, super subtle acting and adds so much. Yeah. That's so, awesome. I don't know, I, just, I kind of stole that, like, for a little comic strip I did that, like, looked pretty much identical. And <laughs> and, you know, I just love that bouncing the ball thing. That's awesome. How old were you when you discovered that? That book? Uh, I don't think that came out. Not maybe like ten years ago or something like okay. that. Was that right? Or, uh. <laughs> um, Brandon, this is your folder. Uh, do you have one in particular to start with? Or? Uh, we can start with whatever's earliest. And okay, so this is like the top. Oh, this is a this is a golf manga. 
this is this is one of my favorite golf mangas that I don't know the name of, and uh, and we we're uh, one of the things we we're talking about before is when 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 Sloan was talking to us about doing this panel was uh, was just showing space you're at, and I really like how this is several pages, but it's it's so clear. It's like this is Australia. It's right, a city. It's like this is Australia. This is a city. Look, this is the different distance that we have to get from the ball to the to the hole, and this is the golf course. It's like it's like uh, it's all this cartography map stuff, making it super clear where you're at. And then the the character introduction is the back of their head with a word balloon mostly covering them. Uh, this is uh, Matt Howarth, who did a lot of fantastic work in the in the seventies and eighties, and uh, this is just an issue of his. Um, his comic uh, Post Brothers, which are two criminals that, that can uh, shift different reality levels. And, and this issue was split all the way down the middle with the top panels being uh, one of the brothers and the bottom panels being the other brother. So you read the whole thing. And this is something I've seen done a lot in comics, but I just like it a lot because like, you get two very, very thin comics. And in the end, you kind of see them run into each other and you get full pages again. Hagiyamoto. This is a cruel god reigns, um, and her layouts are some of my favorites. Her and like Keiko Takamiya, they have some of the most interesting layouts. They're just all over the place. They're breaking. They're like um, they have like these little stippled lines, and all these like different ways of paneling are just like they add so much to the story. Um, so this, I just like this character who's kind of like um, he's bisected as he's falling. And you get to see all these reactions, and it really helps with that, like instantaneous, like everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Like, "Oh, Matt." <laughs> I like how his butt Matt on the what? bottom left panel. Uh, yeah. You see the bottom left panel? How his butt looks kind of shocked that it's falling. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, these are awesome. This is another, and uh, some more Hagia while I'm like on it. Uh, this is like my favorite thing you can do in the comics that you can't really do in a lot of other mediums. It's just like, uh, just like going like total metaphorical imagery. Um, and it just like reads so beautifully and you can have like these diegetic and non-diegetic images just coalesce perfectly on the page um, yeah this one is like this this character is getting molested by like his um, mother's new husband um, and it's just like it's yeah it's an intense intense read it's really beautifully drawn um, yeah this is like one of my one of my favorite pages but it's like full just full of beautiful pages um, yeah um, let's look at Adams. Some of Adams I was going to say, before you, you're uh, like, horrible example. Actually, my <laughs> examples are all negative, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Uh, I was going to go back to yours. Oh, mine? Okay, sure. One of the things I find really impressive about Shoujo manga is there, there's a much more kind of audaciously abstract approach to storytelling. Yeah. That's kind of, like, I, I grew up on sort of, on, grew up 21, but whatever. Um, uh, um, kind of shonen manga, which are much more concrete and sort of kind of straightforward, um, kind of depicting kind of real things, even if they're kind of emotionally heightened. But uh, I've always been really impressed by some of the sort of shoujo artists, kind of really are much more daring in their storytelling approaches than than the new thing. Yeah, even like the captions, like as they progress down the page, they're fading into black. You know, they have right. some black catching towards the edges. Yeah. So I just love how. Every detail is not left alone. Everything adds to the mood, you know. It's, oh, it's okay. Yeah, I heard it described where um, 
the the shonen boys comics in Japan are almost are almost external storytelling, showing mm-hmm. like a like a camera, and the oh, yeah. the shonen comics are more internal, showing oh, yeah. the the art kind of through an emotional thing of how the characters experiencing it. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's do Adam. Yeah, all mine are negative, by the way, as I said. <laughs> what what are the ones? that actually drives me crazy in American comics. This is one of two examples of this in 2,500 pages of power is I effing despise ping pong dialogue chains, which is dominated writing in American comics currently. That is where you have two characters talking and then a, a series of word balloons chase each other across the page or the panel. And that's a, that's a convention that really strongly sort of emphasizes the writer's kind of crisp, crackling, witty dialogue and de-emphasizes <laughs> the artist into being not much more than creative wallpaper for the, for the word balloons that chase each, other, chase, chase each other across the page. And uh, there's one thing that actually really is, I used to dis- it, weirdly enough, it was started by an American like, one of the best writer, writer artists ever to work with comics, Howard Chaykin actually kind of began that in the American flag and later in Times Square and and then, and then Brian Michael uh, who would start out as a writer himself, kind of picked it up and kind of popularized it. And now it's been, but the real problem's been picked up, and now everyone does this. And it's like, I mean, this, this actually sort of works in that, that, in that they're, they're both characters are, there's no big change going on. So in theory, those two, that illustration can fit all those word balloons tonally, but a lot of the times you'll have conversations that are changing in emotional tone. And you have the wrong facial expressions. So whenever you have a ping pong dialogue exchange, the artist has to pick one facial expression and hope it works for the dialogue. But, uh, and generally, it kind of doesn't. So that's one thing I really hate. And I advise not using it in your work. So, so doing it in your own work was this specifically done as like as like screw you guys, or was this something you did? No, I did it for the heck of it. Okay. So I didn't feel like blowing like three pages on this. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, but I, I love that you're like, let me, let me use the worst example. All right, what guy am I going to really tear down? Here's one of my pages. <laughs> yeah, but, well, the, the other thing is also that this, this is a characteristic that is only possible in American comics, because manga, manga uses very short bone tales. Like they can't do ping pong dialogue exchanges, or they you could have you could have like a chain of balloons, but they won't have those long tails connecting them. Hmm. Like this is something that's made possible by American lettering, which is also another disaster. Complain <laughs> <laughs> so, about that in another panel, probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah, because you see have the little looping tails connecting them. That uh, and looping long balloon tails are also an abomination. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't have any examples on me, uh, but Meredith's comic, um, since she started adding color to it, I really like your colored word balloons, and I think that adds so much. And also, you're just like a great letter and bubbleist too. <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Like your oh well, yeah. I mean, the balloons are are definitely like such a big part of the art. Um, and when I look at this, yeah, it. I don't know. It's just it. it can I be critical? Um, just it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's more like just critical of the idea that um, a limited number of panels is more desirable than uh, a bunch of panels of the characters talking. Like, I guess if, if you weren't going to make it interesting, then, uh, then maybe it would be a turnoff to see that many panels, but um, I think this is, when I look at this and I see like a wall of text, mm-hmm. I'm way more, uh, I'm 
way less inclined with my short attention span to read it mm. than if the, the word balloons are integrated very well into the into each individual illustration and, and it kind of takes up space in the panel and takes up air yeah. uh, the way it, it might do in I mean, life. That's, that's why I, this is the second time or one of two times it ever appears and I actually would go back and remove this one if I had the chance. <laughs> yes. but, but yeah, I mean, that's, it works so much better and more organically to kind of as opposed to just having a single illustration with a barrage of text. So. Mm -hmm. right. Ooh, again. David, do you have one you want to look at specifically? Uh, let's do this bleach one. Okay. So, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, bleach is kind of full of crap right now, but in a way that I really enjoy it. Because it's been ending since 2011, and he's just on one huge victory lap where every character gets a cool scene, including new characters he keeps introducing. They, like, they get their moment. But I like how this goes from like still image to still image, but like there's motion between, and the fact that there's no in between in this shows you how fast this guy with the sword is moving. Because on the page prior, uh, which I didn't include, he you know he kind of throws his sword at this cloaked figure who turns out to be a giant hand uh, later in the series, and then just he's suddenly there holding his sword, getting ready to pull it out. And this is something else where it's like, I love reading comics that make you read a scene and then stop and then read that scene again because you either, like, because you didn't get what happened but for very good reasons, you know? Like a good surprise instead of like, wait, this storytelling doesn't make sense. And just the way, like, the speed lines are stacked, the uh, guy on the far right, I think, he, he's completely still compared to the other two characters. I don't know, I think it's really effective in that it's super self-indulgent and he's just kind of doing what he wants and trying new things, you know, like mm -hmm. riding the car until the wheels fall off. Basically. I really like how much movement there is in the, in the sound effects and that. It's like it makes the, the yeah. kind of speed lines look slow in comparison. Yeah, they're super brushy, you know. Like you could tell like he was using big arm motions to get the sound effects on. Oh yeah. I could let's do one of the ones in the folder, okay. just because I've done fight scenes so often. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's right. do spoof on Titan. Okay. So this isn't the official Attack on Titan parody manga, which you can read on this map called uh, Manga Box, which is like totally legal and licensed by Kadansha, and it's it's really just like a, a fart joke, but it's in this four coma format, which is like a very uh, strict storytelling format. You know, it's always four panels. If there's a punchline in the third, the punchline in the fourth is almost always like extreme and really stupid. But I have a child sense of humor, so it, you know, it always gets me. <laughs> and what I like is just like finding like comedy in comics is hard. You know, um, like Kyle Baker is really good at it. Meredith, I feel like you're excellent at it too. And it's nice to see someone kind of trying really hard with the art and like looking for that one moment where it's like what's not only the funniest thing I could say here but what's the funniest way that I could draw it so you know when the idiot comes in in the last panel you know that's something that really works for me I guess we can do, do both of those. I mean, okay. I um, the two violent faces ones. <coughs> I don't know, this is just like, uh, I don't have any, have any like, particular kind of, uh, I don't really do anything like this in my work at all, <laughs> except for the fact that, uh, I guess this is part of one of the uh, many examples. Like, I use, uh, I guess, like, the, uh, I guess the 
by storytelling device and uh, looking at things through like a child's perspective. And um, like uh, this is like one of the first, I guess, uh, not superhero-y comics that I ever read. And um, that was kind of was like looking at it now, it's like Neil Gaiman in the. Uh, it was a Neil Gaiman and David Keen wrote this. It was like a, I guess a graphic novel or something. Um, that was like he was like a character in it, I don't remember. But I just remember like this was like the first one of the first examples of a comic where like, I saw it. It's like oh okay, it's like not a superhero story, but it's not necessarily a uh, you know like a cute kind of cartoony type of comic either. It's just like something that just kind of like responded to like on an emotional level. And uh, I guess that's something like I try to do in my own work. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like one of these stories that pulled by a kid, you know, a child. And uh, I think I've, yeah, I've stolen stuff in this over the years, I think, subconsciously. You know, um, I like that like flat, kind of flat perspective. I mean, it's not something I do really in my own work either, but uh, I don't know. It was like uh, David Keene, at, at this time, he was working. I mean, I'm not too crazy about this Photoshop stuff, but um, this, the way he, he told this story, uh, I don't know if this like, resonated with me over the years. And, uh, I just made me, made me make a comic, you know, like I made my first comic after reading this, like my own comic. The motion is really cool on these pages, mm -hmm. even though it's like a still scene. The way it kind of forces your eye downward. Yeah, and like how flat he uses, and like those like the previous panel page, all the panels were just like, you know, it was like a thirty-panel grid. It was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. And all those like under underlay panels with the blue, those are really cool. Yeah, and it's kind of like musical notes too, like the second tier, third tier. You know, it's like the. This is such a British way of doing that thing that you see a lot in, in manga, which is just using panels for a beat rather than um, than an actual like action. Yeah, totally. And by British, I mean the British comics are often like super, um, you know, the very accurate perspective and very stiff sometimes in a in a charming way. That sounds super patronizing. <laughs> <laughs> I collected like a bunch of Tezuka pages. I'll just grab one. Let's see. Um, I like this one a lot. I feel like I, I like learn something with like every page he does. Um, yeah, just this staggered falling falling panels. Um, the crossfire and the panels to the side. Uh, it's just a nice condensed way to have like a lot of action. Um, and dynamism in a kind of small space. Yeah. I think um, Amy Claire, who's in the audience, has a panel like this in her Straylight story in Ireland, where mm. it all takes place kind of at the same time, like that upper half of the page. Yeah, yeah. Just because you have to read it almost simultaneously. Like, you can't just go left or right or right to left. You kind of got to take it all in and then zero in on what you want to see at, you know, whenever you like. Yeah, and I like that on the right-hand side... There's that hand that's coming up that is like in with the small figures, so it's kind of like a fun little like uh, foreground object to kind of drive your your vision down. Um, yeah. Is that a dog on the lower left of the upper half, it, like freaking out? Oh yeah. In the upper left. Or lower left. Uh, this one. Yeah. I think that's a pig. Oh. It's like a pig. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember why there's a pig, but. And this kind of is the the I I always think about a, a comic by him where. Um, a character's telling a very important sad story in a flashback, and he has, you know that beat-up pig? 
He has like a pig covered in bandages. He always draws. Oh yeah, yeah, his little yeah, yeah. And he's telling a flashback. He's just like, "This is the day, the saddest day of my life. The day my mother died. I was walking along, and then I saw, and I saw an old friend of mine. And it's this bandaged pig. And he's like, "What are you doing in my flashback?" And he kicks him out of the flashback. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Anyway, what was I saying? Yeah. So even his most serious moments, he was just like having so much fun. Yeah, totally. Uh, He yeah, he was just like he was making the rules. He was amazing. I like this page a lot because it's basically kind of just one illustration, uh, broken up, but it's just one <coughs> solid scene, uh, and they're kind of moving around this tree. Um, but they do kind of, uh, in the bottom, like, middle right panels, it's changing perspective, but it's still, he still decided to kind of make the tree whole, even though it's probably, like, a closer shot, which I thought was clever. Um, especially because I feel like you're always, like, uh, worry of um, tangents and stuff, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll just like not have a tangent with that top tree because it's like a different perspective or whatever. But he's like, no, I'm gonna do that. That looks really good. <laughs> is there a word for that kind of thing where the page is one image with several panels showing different moments in time? I don't know. I'll make one up. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've seen uh, Chris Ware do stuff like that too. Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's always cool. Oh, that's just, I put mine up there just because it's me showing how I ripped off someone. <laughs> Which one do you want to do? Uh, we can spin through a couple. A lot of them kind of relate to each other. Okay. Um, okay. Let's just start from the top. Let's do this one. All right. This, this is just what I was talking about before with kind of panels as beats. This is this, this woman uh, shifting into this new reality and then diving. And then the, the blank panels are the kind of her narrating her dive. This is still Matt Howard, right? Yeah, this is Matt Howard. Uh, this is Savage Henry, which is in the same world as Post Brothers. And uh, yeah. what's the next one? Oh, so this is this is a very kind of choose your own adventure style Matt Howard panel that I like a lot. Where this character's in a spaceship and they're they're uh, this is from Keith Yama, but uh, they're showing what space what's what's around them in space as their options. And so it's like you know there's a planet, there's dead space, and there's a junkyard. And I just like the I like the options there. And so on the next next page of me ripping it off. This is my World Warheads comic, and the uh, oh, characters yeah. in it meet a, a sphinx who they grant, they, they uh, answer the sphinx's uh, riddle. And uh, those are just kind of the options for where to go. And the sphinx is very, so upset that they answered uh, her riddle that she leaves gold poop behind. <laughs> Adam, are you ready to get negative? <laughs> well, we were, it was talking about space and time. So, how about a space issue? This is a yeah. this is one of my personal hobby horses that I I ran about on Twitter at great length and got all, all kinds of retweets and such. But ironically, I was subtweeting a friend of mine who never noticed. <laughs> this is work is like being destroyed by this thing. That has to do with the this is this is from the Disney Artist Toolkit, I think. I can't remember the name of it. It was kind of talking about state, about staging, in this case, kind of the use of the down shot. Now, I have a very particular thing in mind for this, but, but generally, the problem with the down, down shot, as you can see, is that it leads to uninteresting and empty spaces, as you can see around Goofy, Mickey in the first panel. And, and, and uh, really, stuff that I tend to find that it's a much better choice to, to use an eye level more, more kind of applicable to you know, kind of 
human experience as seemingly lower tier, both of which are kind of using the using the panel space and sort of giving a greater feeling of depth than the down shot. Though it should be said on the the middle panel there on the right that a down shot can be used when things are interesting or important things to look down at, which is so basically if you're gonna use a down shot or any kind of shot really, the, the thing is you want to have a point to it. In other words, just don't be randomly throwing shit in the page, I think, or at least try to have some vague kind of purpose for it. And to go to the next slide, Jody, this is the this is the shot I'm talking about. It's isometric perspective. It's a down shot with this really dead, almost uh, not really in perspective kind of thing, which I've I used myself. I've used myself in panels where it's basically I'm doing a reestablishing shot and I'm showing where everyone is in the page, but it's it's a real like, fine, here's your establishing <laughs> shot. Are you happy? I do that one when you don't want to have a boring panel you move to be Should we explain what isometric perspective is? Because it, it was well, very new to me. You go ahead to the next one. That's Zaxxon. <laughs> that's, well, I call that shot Zaxxon perspective. It's just effectively what it is. The other day when you were saying Zaxxon perspective, I just immediately assumed that you meant the E-Zaxxon. The, can you oh, it's action. It's action. Right. Okay. So, no, I think we had an entire conversation about it where we were talking about two different things. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good game. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, the, it's... It's, such a, it's an angle that does nothing. It sucks the life out of, out of the panel. It's the worst thing you can do. And I, and actually, like, one of my, I don't, like, and there's a mangaka, like, quite a bit. I did uh, Yakutada Japan, a bread-making manga. Oh, yeah. Much, much better than it sounds, actually. National Food Wars ripped it the hell off. It's <laughs> anyway. But, but every now and then, to reestablish his baking settings, he works the Zaxxon perspective, and it's, oh. Every time, it's killing, killing the drama and interest of a potential panel. But uh, so, yes. just like those things, I want to be clear: you don't want to do that. You don't want to do ping pong dialogue like I had there. That's <laughs> crazy. That was bad. I've yeah. never seen you this uh, this upset about things. It's good. <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the only time the down shot that I can remember off the top of my head that was effective was like. Akira pages, mm, um, yeah. looking down, and that kind of gives you a sense of isolation because oh, there's yeah. actually, I think it's just blank space around him. He's like oh, on yeah. top of a building, um, yeah. which which works. Um, yeah. And then I see a lot of crowd shots, but I don't know how effective that is. Mm. Uh, like Jeff Darrow, I feel like he's done some oh, down shots, but I don't know. Um, At that point, he's just showing off. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, I actually like, I like using down shots because I feel like um, it sort of creates this... Um, I don't know, like almost like you're like God, kind of watching this thing, yeah. or just like a like a ghost or something, like a you know whatever, mm-hmm. like bird's eye view. Um, I'm just like the the most like I guess effective use of that isn't really a comic that I can think of. Um, it's a uh, um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Um, what's the movie with the shower scene? Why am I blanking? Psycho. Thank you. Um, there's a scene in that movie that's like always stuck with me. Um, you know, like most like slasher movies or horror movies, you know, you want, you think like, oh, it's going to be like really dramatic and you're going to have like the knife in your face and it's really scary. I remember like watching that movie for the first time. I was like a grown up. Um, and, uh, there's a character, uh, you know, that I forgot which one, but she's walking upstairs and, uh, they have, it's like a down shot, like, yeah, yeah. which kind of, which has depth to it, I guess, cause there's a stairway, but it's mm-hmm. like, 
gets to the top of the stairs and immediately like the killer person whatever just pops out of a door and goes and stabs and it was like the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life you know and it was just like because like I wasn't expecting it you know I'm just like watching this like oh okay well it's just this there's not really any like tension being built or anything I'm just kind of like observing this thing like distance from it and I was like oh my god like where did that come from it almost looks cool what Adam was saying with the idea of almost like all right, there's a clear shot. This is everything that's going on. Nothing. This is it. A, B, C. It's all here. And then you immediately like switch that around. Yeah, there's oh, actually. And here's some murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've used the down shot and very guilty of it for sure. Um, a lot of the time when the character on the right has to speak first, mm-hmm. um, it's a really easy, cheap way to <laughs> yeah. get them small enough and the room yeah. spacious enough to put those balloons in. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's, it's absolutely, a, it's more functional than you know, yeah. delivering any sort of emotional impact. So don't use it poorly or Adam will come for you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a purpose behind it and like, there's no purpose to the isometric one. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. there's no valid kind of point to I that. have a friend who does isometric perspective all the time just because he's really fascinated by the history of it. Huh. Um, mm-hmm. and well, well, the other thing is, it's really easy. Yeah. The point is <laughs> all the figures can have the same scale, so it requires no effort on your part. I saw a talk on uh, Japanese... Um, uh, scrolls mm-hmm. that, that all used isometric perspective because it was kind of before the mm-hmm. European uh, Renaissance stuff got to them. And uh, they did yeah. some interesting stuff with time where um, they, they changed, you could, you could see a battle going on on one side of a building and mm-hmm. they kind of warped perspective so you could kind of see how the characters that were like fighting on this side have also started to climb over the wall and you could almost read it like a, a one panel comic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, cool. it was interesting. Or it was one of those things that them explaining it to me made it sound like it was more interesting than I would have thought when I just looked at it and be like, I could do that perspective. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's from Ajin? Yeah, it's, uh, so there's going to be an anime on Netflix probably like, I think Tuesday or something, mm. but the books are out from Vertical Inc., which is probably my favorite manga publisher right now. And the short version is that this kid is immortal and therefore being hunted by the Japanese government because why not? So they're using tranquilizers <laughs> to take him down. But what I like is that extreme perspective in the third panel because technically, like, they're breaking the 180 rule, but it's almost, because they break that rule, you, it, like, suggests how fast, like, that dodge is, along with his shoes and, like, the perspective on his leg, the way, I mean, it's almost like a fisheye that's not a fisheye, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just so cool seeing going from over the shoulder to, like, directly in front of him, so you still, I don't know, it's just really well put together. Like, Sloan, what do you like about this? Uh, yeah, I do like the breaking the 180 rule. I feel like that's adhered to a little too much. Yeah, I, I think it's like, an animation rule, not a comic rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and even like movies break that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, gosh, Man on Fire uh, by Tony Scott. Um, there's a, a scene where he's it's just uh, the two, two characters talking to each other, but the camera keeps panning around them, and they're never on the correct side of the street that they should be. But you're not really confused, and it just kind of adds to like the mood because it's really like. Uh, they're trying to find Because uh, the whole the whole point of the 180 thing is I'm, I'm way too strongly about that because I think it's bullshit. But <laughs> the, the whole point of that is that if you're looking at a screen and a character's face switches to another character's face, it'll give you this kind of I dream of genie, like why is this person transformed or something? <laughs> but if you're reading a comic and you're moving your eye along, you don't have that same experience. So I, I, I'd hope that people reading comics can recognize a face being a different face and, and be like, why is this person in a weird place, you know? Yeah. Just just have a big panel showing the top down and make it clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, the, um, off, the off-model things, which I think you have a couple pages of. I'm yeah, going to yeah. scroll through them. Okay, wait. This one. Let's do 
Um, I just really like that. I think that's such an effective like mm. uh, storytelling thing that doesn't happen often. Because I mean, it's, it happens a lot in manga, <laughs> but we haven't quite adopted that. Yeah. But it's so it's so great. <laughs> and it's I think part of the reason why we haven't is that kind of superheroes were like the dominant mode of comics for like a long time. Yeah. Um, and like you want to be able to sell those toys, so you don't really want to mess up their proportions too much. Mm-hmm. But here, this guy. Um, He's just getting wrecked, so it doesn't matter that you know he's strong with like a ballpoint pen or something like that. Uh, but this is from Hunter X Hunter, which is a really good shonen manga that the it's also by the creator of Yu Yu Hakusho. But he had like several uh, illnesses and like breakdowns during the course of the manga. So there's a point where he just draw, starts drawing differently, and you get a lot of stuff like this. It's really exciting and different because you can see the kids are kind of still drawn like traditionally, but this poor guy, you know, he's just screwed. <laughs> like just every every panel of him is just there to show how bad he's getting wrecked. Yeah. And also don't be really extreme manga gutters. Yeah. The verticals to the horizontals. Oh, really? Sorry. Yeah. That's that's very extreme form of them. Mm-hmm. But you're not likely to skip tears. Yeah. See this one more off-model one. Oh yeah, uh, this is from Bleach. This is before it got really self-indulgent, <laughs> believe it or not. But it's just the main character being introduced. Like he's he's supposed to be in a dark room, which is really poorly established in this scene. So she pulls out a flashlight. She's like, "Let me see what this guy looks like," and just like the dialogue puncturing her cheek and just it's almost disturbing or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> like her shot comes through so well, and then she just kind of collapses. And, like, he's not even that good-looking good of a guy. Like, maybe <laughs> in the comic, like, that he's the Idris Elba of that world. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cool thing. I, I noticed Miyazaki does that really effectively, that if you want the, the reader to believe something, sometimes you can just have the kid. Like, they, Make in everyone Oscar, else believe it. Yeah, in Oscar, <laughs> they always have something where Oscar's like, doing something, and, and you know, it's, it's a kind thing, and then someone off-panel will be, like, you know, so there'll be a little panel where someone's like, She's so kind. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, wow, she is really kind. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun to like twist reality like that. I feel that's another thing. Oh, like yeah. you're choosing your moment. Sometimes that moment is something that only comics can do. Let's see. Ooh, that's cool. Um, which one? This one. That one. Is that is that uh, Tezuka? Tezuka. Um, yeah. So this is both these characters on either side of the page are the same character. Um, when one sleeps, the other wakes up. Um, is this Lady Hawk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that last panel is like a symmetric perspective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. <laughs> no, actually, it's not isometric. You can see the, uh, you can see the lines. There's a vanishing point. Yeah, there's, two, two there's, there's a difference between isometric and actual perspective. Put actual work into. It's all subliminal. You can actually perceive the slight. It's arbitrary. Yeah, I just love. I also love the space in this. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, I mean, reading so much shoujo manga, they just like just embrace space. Like, if you need uh, like just a tiny, tiny bit of ink on this page and leave the rest of it white, like go for it. Like that stuff is powerful. Um, so I like this. It, it's really letting it breathe. He's slowly falling asleep and slowly waking up. Uh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then I have one more. Kind of what I do. Um, Oh, I love this one. Um, so this is uh, kind of like a flashback, um, but it's not necessarily happening in the story. Like I don't think the character is actually having a flashback. It's more for our benefit. 
And so Chizuka does this really cool thing where he basically is just making it like a tiny, like a, a stage play for us. Um, but it's not necessarily part of the story happening. It's like a non-diegetic side memory, uh, which is really interesting. Um, and so you can see like this character, this is like the second page to it. Um, she's got like a little spotlight. So there, there's a lot of like weird, like almost absurd things happening, but it, it's not jarring at all. Um, this reminds me kind of a lot of like uh, Revolu- Revolutionary Girl Utena where they have like the uh, silhouette puppets and they're like a Greek chorus. So uh, I like this technique a lot. It's kind of cool. It is. Yeah. It's oh. almost like a parenthesis. Yeah, it really is. And there's and it's like and it's drawn in like a different style. It's kind of like more simplified and cutesy, so that it's kind of, you can kind of tell that this is a separate side thing for the reader, but it's not necessarily happening in in the story. Yeah. What's the airplane page? Huh? Oh, the airplane page? Oh. Oh, this one? Oh, yeah, I love this one. <laughs> he's just on a plane for going cross-country, and he's, like, pissed off. Basically. He's, like, a, I think he's, like, a billionaire, and, like, there's, like, he's, like, a, they're, like, he's breaking into the industry or something. I'm, I'm, like, say, I'm like, this is me. <laughs> I'm just saying it looks like it's comics related. <laughs> it is, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, 20 years in the industry, he's breaking in. <laughs> Um, years. Yeah, I just love this. It's just like you know these long panels, and he doesn't even. I think he like sweats a little bit. That's the only thing that changes. But you can totally just get how like tedious and terrible this flight is for him. And it's all he's thinking about. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, Feral again. Let's see. Feral, do you have one specifically that you want to look at? Uh, I guess is there like a a, a party one maybe? Um, the target. There's both those. These ones? Yeah, the one below that. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll start with this one. I mean, I don't have like a ton to say about this other than like, I mean, I love this guy's backgrounds and like how he draws. He's a, there's a French artist uh, and uh, he draws New York, I think, pretty much better than like anyone that I've seen, you know, like (laughs) comic artists anyway. Um, But the thing that really appealed to me about this particular comic, I feel it's kind of like a, I'm, you know, like Franz Kafka is like an inspiration to me, um, and this seems very much like a Franz Kafka book, just uh, in spirit anyway. But the, I love how he, you know, the whole thing's pretty much grayscale except for this main character, uh, who's like a um, exterminator, and uh, you know, he's just done in red the entire the entire uh, comic. He just like came in red, and everything else is this gray thing, and he's kind of like sort of like operating. It's almost like a dream or something where he sort of uh, feels kind of like detached from the rest of the reality, you know? Even like the way he draws the main character is like a little more cartoony than like the, you know, like the background characters and everything. Um, I just like that sense of like, okay, this is like an alien among, you know, like a stranger in a strange land kind of thing. Where it's like, okay, I always know this main guy is like sort of separate from this like whatever this like reality is. Um, kind of moving through it, and like when I was preparing for this, it's kind of funny in that last panel, Spiegelman reference there on the thing. <laughs> um, but like uh, when I was uh, doing, you know, getting these pages uh, together, I'm actually uh, the thing I'm doing for Island is kind of similar to me, like you know, in my head and in any way. And uh, when I saw these pages, I was like, oh man, I kind of regret that I didn't use that exact same thing, like having the main character. Uh, just be like one color and everything else be gray. Like I tried to do some other things where I wanted, I wanted him to feel like a, sort of like this ghost kind of like moving through this world and I feel like this this guy nailed it. And, and he's, all of his, I love all of his comics, they're all great. 
Um, Fantagraphics has done four or five of them at this point. I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff, too, is like I, I, I read... I get like the, the French, I don't even speak French or read French, but I get the French versions and just like look at them. I, you know, I think there's like a blutch page on there too that's like, yeah. Do they ever address like him being a different color in the sword? No, no, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's just like a weird story where he's you know, kind of moving through this cool. world. That's awesome. Uh, Brandon, you're son of yours. Do we do yeah, I'll do a couple real quick. No. Uh, so this is just the closest thing that I think comic, this is, this is a better way I think the comics does. Um, the zoom in because you can do a panel and then a closer panel but I think this takes away the borders and makes it seem faster so here you have uh, Matt Howarth page of, of Ron Post falling over and then you have this kind of very without a border uh, him falling and if you go to the next page there's a Masamu Shiro version of it uh, from Orion and there it's like this character pulls out his sword out of nowhere and it's so fast that it's like not, there's not even a panel between it it's just mm. right there in your face, and I really like that. It's like all speed lines. Yeah. Sick. Cool. Uh, can I ask Meredith a question? Mm-hmm. So with Octopus Pie, you went from kind of like a traditional comic strip, like, you know, like three or four panels to like a full-blown page. Uh, why? Like, what did you... Um, well, I used to do like the horizontal panels. Um, like, the, the, the perspective of it was, was like that instead of that. And uh, I kind of, I felt like I, I ran out of things I could do with that. Uh, I feel like the vertical scroll is really important for certain things like reveals where you know you don't want their eye to just immediately fall on it um, and it's easier to show characters traveling horizontally in a in a wide page but oh I don't know um, well but yeah yes I mean just, <laughs> a, just like the idea of like um, showing a character's full body is very, very hard to do um, on a horizontal page. Uh, you can do it, but it kind of just breaks up the page. It, it has to either be the last panel or, uh, or in the center of the, of the page, and everything has to work around that. So it's just way easier to do um, you know, things that are human-shaped yeah. <laughs> in a vertical page. There was one page, um, maybe from a couple months ago, where... <laughs> Like, one character found out that she was going to need to hang out with a couple other characters, and she kind of just, like, explodes into a fairy. Mm -hmm. Then as you scroll, she kind of flits through the city and then just ends up at a third character's job, like, watching them like this. And it was just the best thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, it's such a good page, but it wouldn't work. Uh, Landscape format, I don't think. No. Like, the timing's different. No, yeah, I don't think so. And and just showing her uh, fly through the air, like, there needs to be enough vertical space to actually... Like make that journey from down to up again, yeah. um, and mm-hmm. with with a horizontal page, you're just you're already you're already at the bottom and the top. There's nowhere to go with it. Were you coloring those yourself? Sloan was coloring those. Really? Like those are, those are so pretty. Thanks. <laughs> um, David, do you have one to do? Uh, what's oh, let's do the One Punch Man. Okay. Get back to some violence. Uh, y'all know One Punch Man by this point, right? Show of hands, anybody? Okay, so you're familiar like with how this works. Um, Yusuke uh, Murata is a genius at finding like the right moment to draw for like maximum uh, impact. Sorry, like the fact this uh, panel on the upper left is really what killed me about this page because if you've ever like if you play sports like if you ever dodged a baseball or a basketball that's coming at your head. Like, it's not even... You don't have time to think about the movement. You either do it or you get hit, and then you feel bad for the rest of the day. But in here, it's the sort of thing, like, where you dodge, and you're like, oh, jeez, like, what the heck? 
and he captured that moment so well here. And then on the right side, just the closeness and the sudden burst of speed, almost by limiting how many speed lines he uses. Almost mm-hmm. like yeah, he's um, kind of like a ghost. He's just like yeah, like he's just there. Yeah, which is like a super anime move if mm-hmm. you've ever watched anything with ninjas. Um, and then you know the collateral damage makes it a lot of fun, but really it's just that punch to where he doesn't have an arm; it's just a blur of white and an impact. You know, I, I like boxing manga too, and they do this sort of thing a lot, like Haikyuu uh, no Ippo and Champion Cho. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do like this was pretty different in the anime I think but still really cool but like this is like the comics version like this is something you could only do on a page it's interesting in the animation of this how um, uh, something about One Punch Man I find uh, interesting is that a lot of the tricks that that, that he does are animation tricks done in comic pages mm-hmm. and um, it really shows how skilled he is by the animation just the lower he, well, you don't do an animation trick and then send it to an animation company and they'll do it worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I'm going to do me now. This one's like a kind of a bad tiny page, but um, yeah, I just like the inset panels on the first panel, those four. I love having really dense um, little actions happening or big actions. What is uh, what's this from? It is uh, I think it's an Andreas page. I don't know the comic because um, I was looking for Rourke pages oh, right. and this one came up. Um, and you're like, this is amazing. And I'm like, Ew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this one's really cool. And then there's this one that I just I love this tiny. Um, the top right tiny like kind of reaction from this bystander and you have this intense fight happening you know but making her reaction really tiny in a squeezed panel uh i like the tension there a lot uh mike mignola is really good at stuff like that mm-hmm. he'll do a reaction shot of like a gargoyle with no expression and it's just like you get it instantly yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like how he even, like, um, you know, there'll be a character that'll just, like, walk into a room, and then he'll have, like, a couple of panels or just, like, books and, like, yeah. candlesticks or something, and it, like, yeah, it kind of creates this, like, cool atmosphere, you know, it's, like, has, like, a beat, you know, just, like, looking at stuff in the room. Yeah. Um, here's just some electro pages. Uh, I love Sinkovich so much. Uh, his hand-painted pages are, like, amazing. Um, these are just, like, really... Uh, standard like changing coloring styles and drawing styles. It's just like glued on doilies or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his his originals are amazing. If you ever get to see them, there's like paper clips and spray paint and collage and uh, yeah, this is like just a really effective way. I love working with color. Um, so these are like really beautifully painted, and there's a really nice demarcation between styles for both the drawing and the painting. So. Or is that top panel? Do you know if those are pasted on, or did he? Like, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the original of these. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's this one, same story. I love the. There's like three style changes here. Um, you have her like remembering, and then you have this like kind of. I don't know. I don't have the. I didn't read it before I came, but I'm wondering like the purpose of like the bottom almost like cut out. In the bottom left. It's like an instruction manual. Yeah, I'm like, that's, yeah, it's super cool. Um, yeah, really. Isn't that just her remembering her training? Yeah. It is, but I mean, why wouldn't he just 
he already has like in this third panel he already has the color difference and mostly kind of the style difference i guess it's like a a flow into this like cutout style but it's still kind of she's also really... uh getting younger over the course of the memory yeah she's remembering childhood exactly yeah that's true that is true that's a really good comic, by the way, in part because um, I think the story goes like Miller wrote the first script, Vincent Kevitz drew it, and Miller had to throw out the script and rewrite everything like, to fit the art. <laughs> and they just kept going a lot up with in each other. Yeah. Like I know with his work with Jeff Darrow, it was that kind of thing where he gave him a script and they got a totally different story back. And he's like, all <laughs> Did right. Did you do that three seconds? Three seconds. Okay. Um, where is it? Uh, number 10. Oh, it's yeah, both of those if you want, but uh, it's uh, this comic is pretty pretty crazy. I don't know if you guys anyone's familiar with it, but um, uh, it's it all takes place in the the whole entire book takes place in it's supposed to be three seconds, and uh, he just uh, so all this all all this crazy action from all these different uh, uh, perspectives and angles and um, it, you know it's all taking place like simultaneously. But he like does like insane things where he like goes into the mirror. And uh, in the reflection, you can see, like, you know, things that are happening that you couldn't see, you know, and then, and then you'll see later in the book, and it's, like, they all sort of, like, it just keeps, like, you know, like, you actually go, they go like, you go, like, all the way up into, like, the, you know, like, this airplane, you know, like, you can see, like, a reflection in a spoon at one point, you know, and then, like, it goes all the way, you know, you go into the reflection and see where it's, like, a window in an airplane, like, going by above, the, you know, above their heads. And then this uh, mystery kind of unfolds, you know, too, that you see, like, you know, what's actually happening, you know, by the end of the book. You can see, like, you know, how everything sort of, like, relates to each other. It's, uh, yeah, it kind of, uh, kind of blew me away. Um, what country weeks. is this from? It's French. Okay. Um, I'm, no, I'm blanking on the name of the artist. I have it in the, in the notes. But, um, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. It's like, uh, this guy just seems kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, it's like solving like a Rubik's cube or something, you know, like trying to trying to make a comic like that would just be like, yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> like, I want yeah. to see what a kind script of or what kind of planning he was doing. Yeah, it's almost like architecture or something. Mm-hmm. Like he's building this, you know, this, you know, I don't know. That's an insane <laughs> asylum with math written all over. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, Brandon, which one? We're running out of time, so if you have a favorite. Uh, there's a couple. So, so some of the Shiro Appleseed ones that higher up are really fascinating to me. Okay, uh, let's see. These uh, ones? Underneath no. that one. Okay. All right, so this is, this is uh, a trick that I find incredibly fascinating that Shiro does. Uh, so I think I have two pages in a row that do the same, similar thing, but, but essentially the characters are having a conversation and uh, they order food here on the top panel and it's brought to them on the, on the bottom right panel. But in the dialogue, they never order the food. It's just the visual of this um, woman with the Georgia Forge glasses or, like taking their food mm-hmm. and bringing them and kind of conveys all the information you need. It's like he cuts out all the uh, pleasantries of storytelling. And I think on the next page, there's an even more dramatic version of that. Wait. Oh, for the record, this is actually flawed, so it's reading, uh, reading English style. Oh, right, right, yeah. Um, so this is a totally unbroken conversation of them just like uh, talking about the new city they lived in. And they're just like sitting in the park and without, without like the dialogue doesn't take a break from a second. It's like clearly they're continuous dialogue all the way through and he just shows an ice cream cart after them sitting in the park in the middle panel on the left there and then the next time you see them without breaking the conversation they're holding ice cream just like really really basic just like this is where they got it they have it you don't need to see them buy it 
This is kind of like the antithesis of the uh, ping pong dialogue thing that you were talking about. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right, right. That's cool. Yeah, that's putting a lot of stock into like the reader to just pick up what's happening, even though there's not they're not making like a note of it. Right. Because uh, yeah, I find cool. it something I, if I see it seems a very, like a very kind of beginning cartoonist thing to do is if doing all every action that you do in life when it's not necessary if somebody meets someone and they all shake hands and say hello hi and introduce themselves oh and yeah <laughs> important to the story mm-hmm. at the yeah, same time you also draw your characters like taking dumps and stuff which is like oh yeah <laughs> I, but I guess it's kind of important I think that's that's grounding it's like you draw this like Mickey Mouse looking <laughs> character and you're like well, that's it's like that person doesn't have a spine. That's not human. And if you show them like eating and pooping, then you're just like, that's what humans do. <laughs> um, let's see, David, what you got? Uh, let's do a Vinland saga. Vinland, okay. Uh, which one? This one? Uh, let's do the bottom one. Okay. That's a good name. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is a Viking comic by uh, I can't remember his name, but it's really good. You should buy it. This is another like perfect moment scene. Because uh, this is after a, I think a horse got its head cut off on the page before, so like the entire cart is upended. But then you can kind of, uh, on the upper right, you can just kind of see a body in the air wearing a cloak. And you kind of follow the other panels, like there are people falling down. And then you see on the lower left, like he's still in the air, but instead of falling, he was actually jumping. And he's basically going to kill the heck out of that guy. And <laughs> but if you, like, just the... Like, uh, and action scenes are hard to do, and sometimes they're hard to read, but this, the clarity is just so perfect on this page to me. And it's always, like, something that ratchets up the action. It's not like, oh, you know, like, he's going to use his swords here, or you know he's going to kick this guy in the face. It's like, there's still a little bit of mystery. You just know that something is coming. I almost don't want to read this, because the idea that it's like, this is a thing called the villain saga, and it's about a guy who cuts off a horse's head. Like, what a villainous thing to do. <laughs> It's just all it's Vikings, man. Yeah, they're just doing really petty, mean things. The whole <laughs> time. Um, what about this? Let's see, what should I do? Let's we do, got one minute. Uh, okay, let's do Feral real quick. Oh, jeez. No, what do you got? I or I can do Brandon, it's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't do Brandon. Okay, Brandon. Get <laughs> some Shiro. Get uh, some. What's under that? Ooh, oh, that is a weird panel. This that one? Is, yeah, because this is just a lot of things that I obsessed about in comics is things that I have no idea why they work at all. Oh, Bertozzi. Yeah, so this is Nick Bertozzi's Rubbernecker comic. And essentially it's these kids climbing to the top of a bridge and jumping off, but they climb to the top of the bridge and jump off. Uh, but the middle panel is the last panel. And for some reason, it reads fine to me. Like, it doesn't seem out of order. It doesn't seem like they jump off and then suddenly, like, why are they back up there? It's just, like, it, it really works to me, and I have no fucking idea why it works. And this guy teaches comics now, which I think is, is probably good for all of us. <laughs> cool. That's crazy. That's a great story, too. Awesome. Maybe he'll finish it one day. <laughs> Busy teaching. Cool. Well, I think our time is up, so thank you for coming. Yeah. Are you just going to write Rob's line in the front of the book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Some people still think I'm calling it. Like, you have to take like one second to like look at the thousand. I really like my phone's working really Yeah. And they're like, I need to look at the phone and back to the time. Like, what are you talking about? And now they're going to.